Amen. Well, it's great to be in the house of the Lord this wonderful Sunday morning. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3? Encourage the saints to bring their paper Bibles to church. Furnished, the word is translated equipped, well-appointed, well-found, armed, and supplied. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The New King James Version, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, that is, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, what an honor to own a Bible. What a privilege where some in the world don't even have access to a Bible. I wonder how many do we have. Different colors, different sizes, different versions. And the Word of God was never intended as an accessory. It is the necessity. What an advantage to own a Bible. What a joy. Is it not true, Jeremiah 15, 16, your words were found and I ate them? And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord of hosts. You think about life in this world. When there is a textbook that is essential, vital, important, crucial, and necessary to thoroughly furnish one for whatever it may be, the purposed devour the text. Worn pages, marked pages. It's as if that one book holds all the answers one needs. It tells of what was, it speaks to what is now, and conveys what lies ahead. The Bible is the manual for the Christian. The Bible is the textbook, the guidebook, and it is living and active. Hebrews 4 verse 12, for the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And all this morning, if this serves as a reminder 
So be it. If this serves as an alarm that wakes the sleeper, so be it. If this serves as a broadcast that enlightens the uninformed, then so be it. The Word of God is inspired. You see, the Word of God, it doesn't just tell us about God. It actually contains God. His breath embedded in His Word. And my prayer is that each of us would have a new respect for the book. Back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, the Passion Translation. God has transmitted His very substance into every Scripture. For it is God-breathed. It will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. You know, I want to be thoroughly furnished. And I trust, I trust that this is also the cry of your hearts. Jeremiah 15, 16, the living Bible, your words are what sustain me. They are food to my hungry soul. What an advantage to own a Bible. What an honor. What a privilege. What a joy. Again, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, the King James Version. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. I love that it says all Scripture. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The wise words of A.W. Tozer, nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. All Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and God has transmitted His very substance into every Scripture. For it is God-breathed, you say, all? Well, that's what it says. You see, the Lord intended that the whole book be read, cover to cover. That the whole book be fed, and that the whole book be feasted upon. That the whole book be loved and cherished, and that the whole book be the joy and rejoicing of our hearts. Why? Because it is His desire that we be thoroughly furnished. I wonder today, are there some verses easier to read than others, more palatable? If the answer is yes, then my response is good. Are there some verses harder to read than others, as if they, as if they cut? Good. Leonard Ravenhill, the Word of God helps the suffering as a mother hugs a weeping child 
but it also slaps us in the face. Hebrews 5, verses 13 and 14. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full, who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use, wow, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You know, I love what the Passion Translation says, for every spiritual infant who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters, and they have been adequately trained by what they have experienced to emerge with understanding of the difference between what is truly excellent and what is evil and harmful. We read scriptures like 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 and 2. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Listen to these words. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able the Voice Bible reads, My brothers and sisters, I cannot address you as people who walk by the Spirit. I have to speak to you as people who tend to think in merely human terms. As spiritual infants in the Anointed One, I nursed you with milk as a mother would feed her baby because you were not and still are not developed enough to digest complex spiritual food. You see, the Lord wants us to grow up. The Lord wants us to develop. The Lord wants us to expand our diet. The Lord wants us thoroughly furnished, and so He uses His Word. Why? Because it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the people of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works. There is a season for milk. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Two more references in the same way that nursing infants cry for milk. You must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's Word, for this milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life. Think of a child. Think of a newborn baby. Think of an infant. The Amplified Bible, like newborn babies, you should crave, thirst for, earnestly desire the pure, unadulterated spiritual milk, that by it you may be nurtured and grow unto completed salvation. You know, if the Spirit of the Lord could speak to us in this way today, there is a season for milk. And I know adults that have a glass of milk here and there. 
yet know full well the importance of solid food. The text from Hebrews 5 in the J.B. Phillips New Testament, at a time when you should be teaching others, you need teachers yourselves to repeat to you the ABC of God's revelation to men. You become people who need a milk diet and cannot face solid food. For anyone who continues to live on milk is obviously immature. He simply has not grown up. Solid food is only for the adult. That is, for the man who has developed by experience his power to discriminate between what is good and bad for him. You know, if we live in the Bible, we will live out of the Bible. And in turn, we will live out the Bible. A people thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just read and hear the verses and stories that are soft on the ears. I want the whole book, even the verses and stories that cut. Why? Let me repeat myself. Because all Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. What kind of day are we living in? What kind of an hour are we living in? 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 to 5. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. You know, we read these words, and they are quite the words. They are quite the words. Listen to these. They will not endure sound doctrine. They will heap up for themselves teachers. They will turn their ears away from the truth. Turn aside to fables. This is what the word of the Lord says. That this time will come. The voice a time will come when some will no longer tolerate sound teaching. Instead, they will live by their own desires. They'll scratch their itching ears by surrounding themselves with teachers who approve of their lifestyles and tell them what they want to hear. They will turn away from the real truth you have to offer because, because they prefer the sound of fables and myths. But you must stay focused and alert at all times. And I love the J.B. Phillips New Testament. They will want something to tickle their own fancies. 
and they will collect teachers. And I thought about it. Check your podcast list. They will collect teachers who will pander to their own desires. They will no longer listen to the truth, but will wander off after man-made fictions. For yourself, stand fast in all that you are doing, meeting whatever suffering this may involve. Ready to suffer for Christ? You know, I don't know about you, but my Lord, I need all Scripture given by God. I even need the book of Leviticus. I need the book of Numbers. I need the book of Deuteronomy. I need Joshua. I need Judges. I need... You know, how do we know if we have an ear problem and need to book an appointment with Dr. Jesus? Well, we've already read the text. And you know, I truly pray for a generation that's heaped up for themselves teachers. Psalm 119, verses 11 to 16. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Psalm 119, verses 105 to 112 in the New King James Version, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn and confirmed that I will keep your righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. Accept, I pray, the free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your judgments. My life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not strayed from your precepts. Your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. What does it say? Psalm 119, verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And church, would you listen to Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6 today? It says that every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. The pure word of God is a shield for us. The pure word of God is a sword for us. Ephesians 6, 17, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You know what the message paraphrase says? God's word is an indispensable weapon. We need the whole word of God. The whole word of God. What if you're facing a temptation? I just thought of this. Facing a temptation from the enemy, from the devil, but you've only read the portions that don't apply to what you're facing. 
How can you then quote? How can you use the Word of God? How can you say, as it is written? Maybe that verse is found in Leviticus. You know, there was a man named Smith Wigglesworth. Many will know that name. A man that knew the importance of the Word of God. He knew it was a shield. He knew it was a sword. And he knew he needed the Word of God. This man started out as a plumber by trade. And this man had an encounter with God that changed his life. This man was used mightily by God in the realm of teaching, preaching, evangelism, and healing. How important was the Word of God to this man? How serious was he about the Word of God being his shield and sword, that which would thoroughly furnish him? Smith Wigglesworth, his words, if I read the newspaper, I come out dirtier than I went in. If I read my Bible, I come out cleaner than I went in. And I like being clean. Further words, I find nothing in the Bible but holiness and nothing in the world but worldliness. Therefore, if I live in the world, I will become worldly. On the other hand, if I live in the Bible... I will become holy. You know, like nice quotes. Well, I was given a book by a dear woman of God who has since, since gone to be with the Lord. And I share with you words found in those pages. The words of a man named Lester Sumrall, a minister of the Lord who was at this time traveling as an evangelist. These are his words. The first week I was in Great Britain, my dream came true. I teamed up with the man I had wanted most to meet. He did some teaching that afternoon and prayed for the sick. We sat on the platform together and smiled at each other. I've surely heard a lot about you, Brother Wigglesworth, I told him. And I was very pleased when he replied, yeah, and I've heard a lot about you. I've been reading your articles for two years. Man, some of those stories about casting out devils, I like that. And your trip to Tibet and back, I'm just glad you're not afraid. So we kind of made a friendship there. Wigglesworth heard me preach that night. Now remember, I was still a very young man and not extremely experienced, although I had been preaching since I was 17. I preached the best I could, and I did give a successful altar call. When I was through and turned around on the platform, there was Smith Wigglesworth looking at me. He put his hand on my shoulder and said, Son, you need to come see me. In school, I had been called into the office, and I knew what it meant to face the principal and work on a problem. My first thought when Wigglesworth said I needed to see him was that I was being called to the principal's office. I said, yes, sir, when can I come? He said, anytime, I live in Bradford. Here's my address and telephone number. Within a week after that conference, I was on my way to Bradford. When I showed up at 
Wigglesworth's house. I had gone native. I was a real Britisher with a bowler hat, similar to the one you saw Charlie Chaplin wear in his early movies. A black jacket, striped trousers, pants, and a dark blue raincoat that came just above my knees. I wore beautiful pointed black shoes and had an umbrella under one arm and a newspaper under the other. I carried my briefcase in one hand. They did not have electric doorbells, but I grabbed the knocker and hit the door with it, then stepped back three or four steps. When Wigglesworth opened the door, I said, here I am, Brother Wigglesworth. He did not respond. He just glared at me and said, hoots under your arm. That meant in his British accent, what is under your arm? I said, I have an umbrella under this one and the morning paper under this one. He said, throw it away. You can't come in here with it. I don't permit those lies in my house. In my house, there's only truth, and that paper is full of lies, so leave it outside. Hastily thrusting the paper into the bushes beside the door, I said, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. Then he looked me over and said, come in. We went into the living room where he had a coal fire on. It was very cozy. I thought I had come to talk. But he read to me a half hour from the Bible. Then he said, it's time to pray. And he prayed for another half hour. He laid hands on me and prayed, God bless him. God bless him. My body was becoming weary. I was glad when he got through. Basically, Smith Wigglesworth was a Bible man who enjoyed reading his Bible to visitors and equally enjoyed praying long prayers over the reading. So he read to me from the Bible for another half hour and then said, let's pray again. Inwardly, I said, Lord, what did I get into here? This man will wear anybody out. You see, your body can become weary after hours of this, but it seemed to bring tremendous refreshing to Wigglesworth. Finally, he got up from his knees and began to tell beautiful stories of how God had healed this disease and that condition. I sat there weeping, absolutely overwhelmed. Let's have the worship team return. How beautiful is the Word of God. How marvelous. How glorious. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Again, the Passion Translation, God has transmitted his very substance, just let it sink in today, into every scripture. For it is God-breathed, it will empower you by its instruction and correction. Thank the Lord for his correction giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature, 
and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. And yes, I will share these words by Smith Wigglesworth. There are four principles we need to maintain. First, read the Word of God. Second, consume the Word of God until it consumes you. Third, believe the Word of God. And fourth, act on the Word of God. Listen, church, we need the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. We need the whole Bible, nothing more and nothing less. Do not add and do not take away. Lord, keep us from ever being those that heap up for themselves teachers, those that turn their ears away from the truth, those that turn aside to fables. And Lord, let us be thoroughly furnished, perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You know, the Bible says that only truth sets free. And truth is what needs to be heard now. That which needs to be heard in the now. With regards to situation, whatever circumstance, whatever issue, external or internal. Not what we necessarily want to hear, but what we need to hear from the book of truth. We are talking about the direct and directed word of God concerning whatever it is. The rhema. Yes, from the Logos. If truth is applied wrong, it's still truth, but not for that specific. Example, if I had in my possession a sportsman's book, the manual, the textbook, and I turned to the page where it told of how to load and aim and shoot a gun. Yet the immediate need was to know how to load, aim, and shoot a bow. Would it mean the truth regarding the gun is not truth? No. It's just not the truth for the specific. And so, my prayer is this, Lord, we need the whole truth of a complete Bible. And Lord, we need the now truth that is needed for the specific. Whether it soothes or cuts, we need truth. Lord, make us perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We can stand this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your word.